common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. I understand we have a, a good Catholic on the phone. We do. We have a great guy and a good Catholic. We have Tom DiNapoli. He is the 54th Comptroller of the state of New York. Uh, Comptroller DiNapoli, Rita Cosby here on Cats and Cosby. We love having you here on the show. Oh, it's nice to be back. And Rita, congratulations on co-hosting with John. This is great. But he better not take you off 10 o'clock when I come home late at night. You know, no, no, you know she's I on from you. 10 to I, I 12. I love your conversations with Stan, so I, I don't want to miss out on that at night. You are so funny. Stan is my regular caller who every <laughs> night we go to battle. It's like I put on my war uniform on to go to battle. But I, he's, he's, thank you so much, and I'm glad you're tuning in. By the way, so much happening. Well, uh, yeah. One of the things we we're going to talk about is the budget. Uh, Hokel with the budget. We were just hearing, and Gut Patterson, we were hearing that what the legislatures pitched a lot more money than Governor Hokel was originally pitching. Well, John, there's a report, and we just wanted to know if you know anything about it or could confirm it, that the 30-day period is up. The legislature is now sent uh, its version of the budget and that they did not put a numerical coefficient to it, but the belief is that it would add $50 billion onto the budget. What, from like 227 to yeah, there's 277? A rumor going around. I talked to uh, Zach Williams in New York Post in Albany, and he says the, the budget may stand at 274. It's not approved or anything. I mean, 484,000 New Yorkers moved out of New York. Those are the guys that are paying the taxes. How are you going to pay 274? Well, I mean, look, you know, as, as Governor Patterson, uh, uh, who, David, I love you, great governor. Please don't become Secretary of Defense. I'm trying to promote you there for a minute. But uh, as Governor Patterson can attest, I mean, this is part of the, the ritual that happens every year. The governor puts out a budget. The legislature will pass one-house versions that always add spending and then comes down to the real negotiation. So, right. you know, I don't read too much into, you know, one-house proposals at this point. But I think the, the main issue to look at is this. As we've been reporting, tax collections continue to be strong. We're in good shape right now. We expect to have a surplus at the end of the year. The problem is, in the governor's proposal, looking long-term with the state financial plan, and I believe these numbers are absolutely accurate, we're not going to be in such good shape a year, two, three, four years down the road. We start to go back into that pattern that we've seen over many, many years where there's a rush to get the budget done and the budget is balanced for a year, but the spending commitments blow out out-year budget gaps. We didn't have that the past couple of years, largely because of, of the federal relief money that came in, but we're, we're going to get back in that pattern. So the danger is, I mean, the governor's budget proposal already is a pretty healthy uh, spending package by any measure, $227 billion. If if it's added to, and, and if, if some of that new spending is tied to money that's not going to be accounted for, those out-year budget caps will only get worse. And, 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 and this economy, as we know, is very uncertain. We, you know, where are we headed? Nobody knows for sure. Excellent point. Judge Weinberg, you got a question for uh, Tom DiNapoli. Tom, welcome uh, back to the show. I have, I have the same two issues that, that you have. Number one, as John points out, you have 484,000 folks who have left in the last 24 months. Are they going to be replaced and by whom? And who's going to pay the taxes? And who's to support all the programs? And as you correctly pointed out, we're going to lose the federal money. So you yeah. can't lock in to permanent spending money that you're not going to have. 
Otherwise, yeah. we're going to have a situation. How yeah. do we keep people in the city and state of New York, Tom? Well, I mean, you know, that we, we could probably do several shows on that question. Keep in mind a couple things. First of all, yes, we have a net loss in terms of, of out-migration, and yes, it tends to be folks at, at the higher end. And we need to remind everybody the top 1% of taxpayers uh, account for over 40% of the personal income tax revenue that funds most of the programs that we have. So we don't want to lose anybody, especially at, at the upper end. That being said, the the earlier trend during COVID when we were losing more somewhat went down when you look at the, the, the 2021 uh, numbers uh, versus 2020. And uh, the reality is there there actually are more millionaires now than there were a couple of years ago in our state. Now, you know, so so it's it's not all that everybody's leaving, but there there is no doubt that we are losing folks. We are losing population. That has implications not only in terms of revenue. It's hurt us politically. The clout of New York State, the number of congressional seats we've lost over the years, that diminishes our influence. It's rather remarkable in that context that we have both uh, the Senate Majority Leader and, and now the House Minority Leader coming from New York. But but we, we need to be very mindful of the fact that we want to have a population that grows and we want to have a population that includes people who are going to who are going to pay for the services that we all depend on. So, Tom, it's Rob Astorino. Hey, Rob. How are you? I, I'm. This is great. I have two of my favorite Democrats. Weinberg, I'm getting to you. You might be number three. But <laughs> Patterson to my left, naturally. And, of course, Tom DiNapoli, who I may have voted for. I don't know. I'm not, I don't remember. I, I, but he wait, is wait, a, wait, wait, wait. What about me and John Katsimatidis? Are you don't you love no, us? No, oh, no, no one said individuals. Oh, don't you love us? Right, of course right. I do. Okay. But here's my question, Tom. Yeah. You're a Democrat with Democrats all around you, right? Your party. They're spending like crazy. They're obviously putting things in jeopardy in our, in our state for normal people who pay the taxes, as John was saying. How do you actually stand up to them? How do you, how do you go head to head with them and not be concerned about the next election that, that they, they'll, they'll screw you? Well, you know, it's an interesting question. Of course, the job of controller is a unique one. It's generally not understood. Um, and I'm always very mindful, having been in the legislature myself for, you know, for 20 years, it's not my job uh, to decide how the money's spent. When they decide how to spend it, I've got to make sure it's being spent the right way. But what I try to emphasize uh, is, is to really um, try to impress upon policymakers, be they elected officials or any stakeholder, that you can't spend money that you have today when you don't have the money tomorrow. And, and, and the, you know, the challenge that I see, and it's, this, is, this is the long history of New York, and Governor Patterson can relate to this. When you're in the legislature, you know, your job is to deliver as much as you can for your district, and you fight hard, school aid, senior programs, go down a long list, and you're on a budget deadline, and you're on a two-year election uh, cycle deadline, and, and you want to go home and, and, and tell everybody how much you delivered for the district. You're not going to go home and say, I cut this program. You're not going to go home and say, I built up the rainy day reserve funds, which thankfully actually Governor Hochul is, is, is doing a better job of. And so you get into this short-term decision-making mode. It, it, in, in many ways, it's by definition what the legislative role is, because that's what's expected by the voters back home. What I try to do as controllers to say, we need to start to have some long-term thinking. And long-term thinking means we have to make sure we're not making spending commitments that we can't fulfill. Because when we can't fulfill them, what do we do? We raise taxes, which causes the other problem of the out-migration, or we borrow more money, right? It's easier to borrow money to pay for something rather than be more frugal in spending. 
And the reality is New York State, we don't talk about it enough, where, you know, Moody's ranks us right after California, second most indebted state in the nation. More and more of our spending is paying for old bills. We put forth a debt reform proposal, which, you know, unfortunately, Rob, did not get a lot of attention because nobody wants to talk about reforming debt and controlling it more. Putting more of the debt authorization to go back to the voters, as was intended, not doing all this backdoor borrowing through the public authorities. So, so I would say to you this: what I try to do is is provide a dose of reality to say, you know, you can't spend. Uh, you know, I hate to use the phrase, but the old phrase: you can't spend like drunken sailors. We've been living off of the federal largesse, but that money is is clearly winding down. And, and yeah. same thing for New York City, by the way. New York City, under the prime administration, made some wonderfully popular spending commitments for recurring programs based on federal money that's not going to be there forever. And that's what Mayor Adams is trying to contend with now with his budget challenges um, without your budget gaps. And, uh, Tom, uh, this is Rita Cosby. Again, everybody, we're talking to the 54th Comptroller of the state of New York. And, um, Tom, I, I just want to ask you, you know, you talked about sort of the reality. You say things are getting better in terms of people coming back or less flight from New York. Um, but, you know, if you the reality also, there's such a, a horrible perception right now where so many people, you know, you look down any street of New York, uh, there are storefronts that never opened up after COVID. Um, there's so many still, you know, people concerned with high taxes and all these things. How do you bring people back? I mean, that you know, even the perception, you know, you say things are better. I'm happy to see that because, of course, I love New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I love New York. Um, But, you know, the perception is, boy, they see the crime headlines every day. Uh, There was someone stabbed just randomly uh, today on the subway. And there was someone stabbed the other day in front of the Brooklyn Diner on 57th Street. How do you overcome that? Yeah, no, you're a cry. Cleanliness. Uh, the issue of homelessness and mental health, and the governor has put in a significant increase in funding for mental health programs. Now, look, we're dealing with a lot. I, I, I don't in any way, I, I, I just, I, I want to make the point, it's not quite as dire of, of everybody leaving as sometimes projected, but there are real issues there that we have to contend with. And that really, at the end of the day, is going to be the function of this budget process. What will the state legislature do in terms of priorities? And, and I think you're right. It, it has to be, uh, from my perspective, a, a real serious effort to deal with the mental health issue because I think that underpins not all but but a great deal of of the the issue of crime the 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 sense of a lack of safety on some of our streets and in the subways you got to you got to deal with that the homeless issue we've done as you, I think you know a number of audits that have shown that we've spent money on on, on homeless intervention programs that has it just hasn't worked. They, they've given money to some of these nonprofits uh, to get uh, folks off the streets out of the subways. And, and they're just not providing the service. It, it's, it's throwing good money after bad. So you need to have a whole different outlook uh, uh, and a more aggressive administration. Look, I know Mayor Adams is trying to deal with some of these issues. I think the governor is trying to deal with them as well. Let's hope between uh, what happens in Albany and what happens as the city council works on the budget, they're going to put the right kind of priorities in place. They're going to not spend more money than we have. And my job as state controller, Brad Landers' job in the city of city controller, is to point out when we see programs that aren't working and money not being spent the right way, to call it out. Yep. Folks don't always, and like you're always do that, but, but that's what we're going to keep doing. You're, you're always welcome to come to WABC, and we got that big bugle, and call yep. everybody out that if, 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 if something is not right, and that's your job.
Thank you yes. so much, uh, uh, Tom. Have a Thanks, great everybody. Thank have you. a great, great week. I've got to go out and buy John's book this weekend. And, right. and tune in tonight at 10 o'clock. I, I'm expecting you to be tuning in, okay? All right. Take care, everybody. Take care. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. We're back. And with us today is Larry Kudlow. He's with us every Friday. And to find out how the week has ended, uh, Larry Kudlow, the, the number one economist in my eyes uh, in our country, and the number one show on Fox Business, and he's leading CNBC by a mile. How are you, Larry? <laughs> Thank you, John. I'm great. And on Good WABC night. on every Saturday between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock, so make sure you, you tune them in. Larry, what the heck is going on in the markets? Well, yeah, the good um, markets closed good yesterday and today. Uh, I'm not sure I'd put a lot of stock into it, but for whatever, the markets uh, were up for the week. So that's good. But, you know, the trouble with this story is the inflation rate is still too high. The Fed's going to be raising interest rates. Uh, productivity is down. Unit labor costs are up. That's bad for corporate profits. By the way, S&P profits actually fell. Fourth over fourth, profits of the mother's milk of stocks. So I'd be a little concerned in the short run. Of course, I believe in buying stocks for the long term, so I don't pay much attention to that. And um, Joe Biden is uh, he's going to veto the ESG bill, which is going to cost 150 million retirees. Uh, could cost them a lot of money. It's a dumb idea. That's too bad. He won't make up his mind about the Willow uh, Oil and Gas Reservoir in Alaska. He, he won't make up his mind on You that. had Senator Sullivan on your show. And yeah. uh, what did he say? Because that's interesting because Alaska was ready to go, and I thought Joe Biden uh, said he's going to do it. Well, Sullivan honestly didn't have much to say. He didn't want to divulge the conversation, which I think was too bad. But the issue, as I understand it, um, the Interior Secretary, Deborah Halland, is probably the main person in the administration holding up uh, a green light for Willow. And they want now, there was originally the request by Conoco was um, five pads, John. Then it was three. And now there's talk that Biden will okay two. Uh, and at two, People say Conoco doesn't make any economic sense for them to make the kind of investment, uh, you know, for for uh, two drilling rigs. So I don't know how it's going to wind up. It, it, and, you know, the war on fossil fuels has been so damaging. It's increased inflation. It's lowered economic growth. Uh, it's helped our enemies. So here we go again. I don't know how it's going to turn out, to be honest with you. We had Governor Mike Dunleavy of Alaska on was a very strong advocate, obviously, of uh, restoring our fossil fuels. I mean, we should be doing 14 or 15 million barrels a day. We're still hovering around 12. We were at over 13 before if the If we pandemic. were doing 15 million barrels a day the way we were scheduled to do it, I would bet you that uh, uh, oil would be at $55, $60. And, yeah. and there will be zero inflation, and, yeah. they won't, and, the, and the Fed – would not increase interest rates because well, the I, Fed is killing the real estate market. I, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree. If we were doing what we should be doing, prices would be 30 bucks cheaper. 
It would help, you know, ordinary working families. Uh, it would lower the inflation rate. It would probably also lower food because it would lower fertilizer. So that would be a big plus. And uh, wages instead, real wages would be rising instead of falling. So, but, you know, the look, they're very stubborn. They're very stubborn in the Biden administration. And it is not based on science. It's about politics. And that's too bad because when you make difficult decisions like this, it should be based on science and the economy, not some political ideology that willy-nilly says fossil fuels are bad. So what can I tell you, John? What can I tell you? We'll see how it turns out. Hey, Larry, Rob Astorino, um, in the spring and summer, a lot of people try to sell their homes, right? And what would you say to somebody right now? Like, what can you expect going into quarter two and quarter three if you're trying to sell your house? You can't sell it. You can't well, that's a very hard question. Give up. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors here. I would just say interest rates, mortgage rates are likely to be higher. Uh, I think that's probably going to happen. Uh, it depends on your income, though. And, you know, it depends on where you live and what you want. It's very hard for me to say that. I mean, I, I'm not in the home selling business. Housing's in a recession. Yeah. Housing's been in a recession for well over a year. Uh, housing starts are down, sales are down, uh, mortgage rates are below the peak, but they're pretty close to the peak. And in the last month, mortgage rates have been edging higher. Uh, so I, I don't know how to answer that, Rob, except to say, uh, you know, maybe you can find a cheap house. Prices are coming down. Prices are coming down nationwide. Uh, it depends on where you live, of course, but maybe that's a plus. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I was just seeing Larry, too. Um, in fact, it's the first uh, year-to-year decline in more than a decade of home prices. So that's not good for people, like as you said, Rob, trying to sell houses. You know, one thing I was going to ask you to your point, uh, Larry, and this is Rita Cosby, and good to, good to be talking to you, my friend. Um, the, your point about the oil um, I was wondering, you brought up the fact that they're given like two pads and Conoco says it's not worth it. I'm wondering from a political standpoint, is then the Biden administration going to say, see, look, we offered it to them. They didn't want it. And then they're going to vilify the oil industry like they've been doing all along. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. You know, and I think they know that. And I think they're trying to they're trying to work through it. Let me make another point, though. You see, part of this story is natural gas, which is a clean burning fuel and liquefied natural gas. You know, look, if these dopes would open the spigots and allow us to. <laughs> We're all agreeing, produce, by the way. We like that analogy. Larry. I mean, if, the, you know, open the spigots, the more natural gas and the more LNG uh, exported around the world gives us a cleaner globe okay if you believe as uh biden says he believes or this other guy john Kerry, i'm not i want to comment about him but if you buy into their green new deal and global warming stuff then you should be a proponent of natural gas produced in the united states it's a clean burning fuel and our gas stuff is the cleanest in the world that's how dumb they are. This is a solution, not a problem. But unfortunately, they see it as a problem. Yeah. 
And it's costing us, as, as John always talks about, the ripple effect of it all. I mean, you know what? I'm amazed that more Americans aren't are seeing this and saying, why are we not opening the spigots? I mean, you think about it, it's it's part of the whole process. Yeah, it's just crazy. It just it doesn't make any sense at all. All we're asking President Biden to acknowledge, if, you, if we pump more oil, the price will come down and the Fed would not have to raise their interest rates. That's way too, John, that's just way too smart. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just way too smart. Larry, common, I, I will be common, listening to you. We're, we're coming. Sense, we're we co- don't live in an era of common sense. Yes, we're, we're in an era of craziness. We're I'm in the biz- you know, remember Bizarro World, the comic? <laughs> <laughs> we're in Bizarro World. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And now, who do we have, Rita? We've got a great guest, everybody. We've got Dr. William Parker. He is the CEO of Parker Maritime Technologies, uh, former CEO and president of the East West Institute. And Dr. Parker, huge news today. Um, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, does a surprise visit over there to Ukraine. What, what was he doing over there? Well, this is, uh, first of all, great to be back on your show again. Uh, this is another uh, visit to a war zone. And a lot of folks go over there, and every time they do, they place folks in danger that are tasked with protecting them. So I think we need to be very careful when we continuously are sending uh, senior people from the administration over to be protected for a good photo op. That said, uh, Garland testified on the Hill that Russia has committed crimes against the humanity, and that's what he's talking about, the fact that we should go after Russia legally for crimes against the humanity and other activities that they've been embarked in. But how long is that going to take? I mean, you think about, um, I covered Kosovo with, uh, you know, Milosevic. It was like forever until they actually bring somebody up on it. I mean, is that realistic or is that just politics or do you think they're really going to do it? I think they'll do it eventually, but I think it's politics for the near term. Wow. Uh, Carol Maloney, I mean, uh, uh, you were a congresswoman. I think you went to the Far East all the time. And any, any opinion on that? Well, I, I think the, you have to balance the uh, policymakers have to be on the ground to see what's going on and to, to assess it. And you'd be surprised how when you're on site, it's very different from what you're reading in the papers. And, and you always get uh, briefings right from the area and people tell you simultaneously what they're feeling. And it's important. I want to I want to ask Dr. Parker if I could. I know he's a expert in this area. How do we bring peace how in the world can we get everybody at the table and diplomatically solve this? It seems like everyone is dug in into their positions, and we are galloping towards a third world war if we don't watch out. So how can yeah, we? I that, Congresswoman, I think it's a great question that you asked there. And, and uh, I think the answer is we need to avoid the Thucydides trap if we can, something that we haven't done a very good job of so far, you know, where where you have a, a rising power challenging an established power. And when that happens, the dominant power is likely to respond with significant violence. And that's what we're seeing. Um, John and I sat in his office about two years ago talking about this very issue and said one way to avoid this is to make sure that uh, the president uh, of Russia understands that there will be a significant event uh, that will happen if he invades the country. And you will notice he invaded at one point in Crimea, where it was Russia and mostly Russia. And then he didn't invade for a long period of time. And then you have a new administration. And now he's uh, decided to uh, to grow again. But part of this is because as you look at 
how we dealt with leaving Afghanistan, if you look at how we deal with the strength of our borders or lack thereof, people are seeing weakness, they're smelling blood in the water, and they're going after and say, this is my shot if I'm ever going to go into Ukraine. So to avoid that, I think we need to go and say, look, we're done with this. You've got exactly 15 days to get out of country. If you don't get out, we're going to establish a no-fly zone. And after that, everything's a target. Governor Patterson, it looks like you got something there. Well, I was surprised that uh, uh, that we might go that far, but it could come down to that. What do you think? I, I, what are your I, thoughts? I hope, I hope it doesn't. No, I hope it doesn't also. But there is a point that you can't keep making concessions because the Chinese and the Russians do the same thing. The Chinese are actually better at it. They keep talking about peaceful cooperation and that kind of thing. Meanwhile, they're spending money in our universities. They're spending money in uh, parts of this country that are now akin to their point of view, thinking that this is an attempt for to get the countries to work together. But if you go back and you read some of the documents that the people running these countries have written, they are trying to take over the world and uh, adopt world communism, especially the Chinese. They have a year, 1949. And you know who said it? President Xi. He said it. First in 1998, when he wasn't president, then he said it again in 2018, when he was. So, Dr. Parker, you know, that's a great point about the influence of China and also them getting closer to Russia, maybe arming Russia. What are your thoughts? Um, My thoughts are, if you buy into the theory that the enemy of our enemy is my friend, then China and Russia will likely join forces uh, more formally. And they'll bring with them countries like Belarus and Venezuela, Iran and North Korea. But the country nobody's talking about is India, which continues to buy cheap oil and most of its weapons from Russia while consistently voting against the United States and the U.N. And I think this is one we need to be pressing on a regular basis. Why are we not? You know, I, I mean, I, and you bring up a great point, and Dr. That's a Parker. That's people. That's 1.4 billion people. Yeah, and we have a great relationship with India, too. Well, I can supposedly. We thought we had a great relationship with Turkey. And they wake up every morning deciding which side they're on. Yeah. What, can't we do something, Dr. Parker? Well, I, I think you need to start with what, what uh, companies are owned by uh, very senior uh, Indians uh, in this country, like Google, for example. Um, so do a search. It has to go through Google for the most part. Who runs it? Well, the CEO happens to be an Indian American. And that's the case with Microsoft. It's the case with Apple. It's the case with a lot of very large companies right now. So I think uh, we need to look at that. I think we need to look at how TikTok is, TikTok is communicating with our, uh, with our people right now. And the reality is when you take that and you look at the cost of food, transportation, housing, oil, all that stuff continues to go up. And yet you, you get some, some poor slug who happens to have been a veteran for a long time is trying to run a business, can't get a penny uh, from the government because all that money is going overseas. $76.8 billion to Ukraine so far. Yeah, and another $400 million today. Go ahead, Judge. Dr. Parker, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. <clears throat> Good to have you on the show again. I want to ask you, what do we do when we know that China has Taiwan in its sights? What do we do now to make sure that that doesn't happen? Uh, Judge, I think I think you're you're absolutely right on what you just said. China is pushing the envelope here. They have stated that they will increase ties with the opposition party in Taiwan. They're increasing their their fight their uh, flights and their military shipping in the region, et cetera. I think what we need to do is again, I think it's uh, it's peace through firepower. Uh, you can't send the Nimitz strike group by itself over there and say this is enough. 
it's not enough. If you're if you're serious about something like this, we need to start building, building, building to build our military back up. The fact that we said 10 years ago that we were going to get overtaken by China with the largest Navy in the world, and everybody laughed when we said that. Here we are. We're now the second largest Navy in the world, and they are building very fast. We have a 20-year building plan to be half of the size that they are. That's our wow. plan. Wow, that's that's trouble for us. Wow, 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 wow. I, I think so. We can ask the governor what he thinks of that, but I think it's a bad idea. Yeah, real quick, Gov, real yeah, quick. Yeah, I think it's a bad idea, too. All right, good. We're unanimous on that. Uh, Dr. Parker, great to have you here, the CEO of Parker Maritime Technologies. A really important uh, topic. Thanks so much. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And uh, John, we have our now WABC have, resident genius. Oh Yes, our resident genius, Dr. Peter Michalos. Uh, and uh, what report do you have for us on this Friday night, uh, Peter? Well, it's great to be with the uh, Katz and Cosby A-team and especially with the amazing and great Congresswoman Maloney who uh, will always be our congresswoman. Tonight we're going to just talk about two things. Since you're talking about the war, we also I want to mention some of the implications of war on the environment because every time uh, we're, there are wars going around right now all over the world, in Myanmar, Ukraine, Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Nigeria, Somalia, and Congo, and many, many more, Sudan. So what happens is that we contaminate the water, the soil, the air, and that releases vast amounts of greenhouse gases and military activity represents about 10% of the world's greenhouse gases. And also nobody talks about that the tens of thousands of innocent wildlife are killed constantly every time a bomb goes off. When one bomb lands, it's like having 10,000 tailpipes of cars. Everyone's worrying about transferring to electric cars, but just one bomb is like a 1,000 tailpipes of a car. And the CO2 emissions of the largest militaries are greater than some entire countries. And nobody really talks about that. There's someone to make us uh, aware and that 5% of the world's land is basically related to uh, military activity. So we want to just uh, remind people that we need peace and we need to negotiate peace uh, as soon as possible. And we need to generate more diplomats because uh, now we're dealing – in the old days, we were protected by a distance and the ocean. But now you have these things called hypersonic missiles that other countries are very advanced with. And, uh, you know, we couldn't handle a little derailment in uh, Pennsylvania. Imagine if they bombed our uh, chemical factories or our oil refineries. We'd have a real environmental disaster. But the next quick thing I'm going to talk about is there is this uh, disease called Shigella. And these diarrheal diseases that we hear about, like traveler's diarrhea from E. coli and salmonella. But Shigella now is on the rise in the United States. And we have about 450,000 cases a year, but it's rising. And now uh, what's come out is they found uh, cases around even New York State that are drug resistant. And basically it just uh, is an intestinal infection. It's most common in men. It's very common in the uh, gay and bisexual community. Children can get it too, but it's a reminder for everyone out there, especially for people working in restaurants. If you're the guy making a salad and you have diarrhea, please wash your hands or don't go to work that day. If you're changing diapers, simple things like that, please wash your hands. It's the fecal oil route, and that's why in every restaurant it says all employees must 
wash hands because these things can be transmitted. And if someone has uh, immune compromised HIV or cancer, is on chemo or transplant patient, they can get it more readily. So to protect other people, just reminding everyone, common sense like we have been doing throughout COVID is washing hands more often. And we need an operation warp speed to develop new antibiotics for resistant infections because a lot of people don't use antibiotics every day. The R&D and the money isn't spent uh, on uh, creating the new generation of antibiotics. So we need that. We need to secure our supply chains because a lot of our medicines are made abroad and we need to secure, especially if we end up having a war as a country, we need to have a disaster plan and secure our manufacturing food medicine supply chains. Well, and before we let you go, Peter, um, Dr. Mihalos, I got to ask you a question. Um, There was big news today, like it broken like an alert about uh, President Biden and cancer. Luckily, uh, it wasn't really worthy of an alert. Um, The good news is it was just basal cancer, uh, cancer, yeah, the skin cancer basically removed. The good news is, yeah, talk about that. Basal cell does not spread anywhere in the body. It's a local thing. It's instantly removed with something called Mohs surgery, where you check. You remove it, check the margins, and once it's out, there's a 99% cure rate. The ones that you have to worry about are melanoma that can spread to other parts of the body. That's why wear sunscreen, even on small children, hats with a brim, or even clothes you can buy that have built-in sunscreen. But the basal cells, nothing to worry about. It will not not affect uh, his uh, lifespan in any way. And the other one is called squamous cell, which is more worrisome because it can go to regional lymph nodes. But basal cell is no big deal, and it's curable, and it does not spread to other parts of the body. It's locally invasive. Good news. Dr. Peter Michalos, you're going to be on uh, the Sunday Cats Roundtable. What are you going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about all the different types of blood tests and the 10 most important blood tests you need to make sure you ask your doctor to order for longevity and the things that aren't commonly checked. And uh, and we're going to basically tell people how to live longer so they can listen to WABC for a longer uh, period of time. So it's good business, good blood yep, and good yep. business. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Just play that song. Stay yeah, alive. Stay alive. Yeah. Stay alive. Thank you so much, Dr. Peter Michalos. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. We have with us now uh, someone who is overseeing, of course, the fire department of New York. The fire commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, joins us here on Katz and Cosby. Commissioner Kavanaugh, great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were talking about the lithium batteries and so many of these fires that are happening. How big of an issue is it and how do you educate people about it? It is a a very serious issue. Uh, You know, these have quadrupled over the last year. They are a danger both to the citizens of New York as well as our first responders. These are incredibly dangerous fires and very toxic fires. Uh, And what we really implore people to do, you know, we're working on regulating these devices so they're safer, but people have these in their homes today. And so we're imploring people to make sure that they are not charging them when they are not watching them, when they're not home. And we're imploring them to make sure that they're not being charged in any area that would be between them and the exit to their apartment. If you've seen the way that these catch fire, they actually explode. Um, and a tremendous amount of fire occurs, and it's very hard to get out of your apartment. So we want to make sure that people are putting these in an area when they're charging that is out of the way of their exit. Bill Patterson? And uh, this is David Patterson, Commissioner. Obviously, the uh, devices should not be plugged in when you're sleeping. In other words, you should take the battery out, right? 
Exactly. You never want these to be charging when you're not watching them. When you're asleep, you need to make sure um, you're monitoring them at all times. Do you, do people really understand the risk? I mean, we keep hearing these. There have been some horrible fires, as you know, um, of late in the last year. And it still seems they're not educated enough. And a lot of times it's young people, too, you know, with these electric vehicles. They're not really full aware. Um, are they getting the message? Is it young, old? How do we change that? You know, I think this is how we change it, right, which is talking about it. And we've seen um, that change over the last few months as we've really gotten out front on this issue. You know, I think you're right. People buy things online, right, and might not realize they're not certified. Um, and we're working on making sure those not certified devices are taken off of those online marketplaces. But it's definitely critically important we get to folks, you know, I think a lot of people depend on these for their livelihood, right? And so they may be uh, they might know the risk, um, but just have to have these anyways. And so we're imploring them that if they do, there's still things they can do to keep themselves safer. They can make sure that it's not charging while they're sleeping. They can make sure that it's out of the way of an exit so they can get out if a fire occurs. Commissioner, uh, this is John Katzmatidis. And, and uh, we interviewed the uh, CFO of Florida, Jimmy Petronas, a uh, uh, couple weeks ago. And electric cars, big problems in Florida, electric cars, exploding with the batteries. Have you had any problems in the city with the electric cars? So we're actually looking at all types of lithium-ion batteries. Um, we work with the Department of Homeland Security. We work with Tesla. Um, we are making sure that our folks in operations and safety can have firsthand experience um, understanding the risks these batteries pose, and also understanding how they can safely be put out when they're on fire. So we are working on that. Um, right now, it's the e-bikes that are presenting the most immediate uh, threat to the public, but we are working on all kinds of this new technology and making sure we're ahead of it. Because um, if you park, if those kind of problems, if you park your car in your garage and uh, the insurance companies are looking to disavow insurance on your home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we have to find out if that if they're going to go through with that. Rob Astorino, you wanted to say something? Yeah, check your insurance policy. That's a good idea. Wow. Uh, yeah. Commissioner Rob Astorino, quick question: What's causing these fires? So there's a few things. A lot of these devices are not regulated. So a lot of things that we use, like our laptops, also have lithium-ion batteries, but they've been regulated to make sure that those batteries charge safely without catching fire. Work, we are working with the federal government right now to make sure that that's happening with e-bikes, but that's one of the reasons is you're getting unregulated devices. The others is that uh, people sometimes tamper with these batteries or open them up after they have them. We really discourage that. That makes them far more likely to catch on fire. Yeah, so what make about sure also using planes? a battery that with the bike like, that you're not bring with it. John's holding up the iPhone, a, like iPhone Does our iPhones have lithium-ion batteries? They do, but they have been regulated, uh, which is why they don't burst into flames. Unless you get a uh, an off-market battery, right, to replace it? Well, yes. that's stupid uh, then, yeah. Many devices we have have been regulated so that they are largely safe. Are you talking about will be soon, um, and we're working on that, you know, really aggressively. But people have these right now, so we need to make sure they're safe in their homes. Don't don't get a Chinese replacement battery for your iPhone, then. <laughs> <laughs> we need a little bit of humor on Friday afternoon. Uh, what anything else? We got another twenty thirty seconds. Anything else, Commissioner? I would just really encourage people. They can go on fdnysmart.org. There are lots of tips there about fire safety. Please keep yourselves and your family safe. Um, you know that's what our mission is, and that keeps our first responders safe too. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, uh, the you. Fire Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh. Really we'll important info. We'll see you at the Police Athletic League lunch soon. Yeah, I'll see you next week.
Thank, Thank you. you very, very much. Really Thank interesting. You. And, you know, you're, you're right, because, like, you hear these stories about them exploding you on know, planes. You know, sometimes my iPhone gets very hot. And I That's because you get so many and... messages, John. I That's don't why. Know. I it's don't hot. know. Guys, have a great weekend. Thank you for coming into the studio today. And uh, what do we stand for? What do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America and have a great weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.